This interview with Douglas Harding was conducted by Barbara Rose Schuler in 1992 for KAZU Radio in Monterey, California. And good evening to you and welcome to Discovery. My name is Barbara Rose Schuler and my guest is Douglas Harding, an Englishman who is here in this area to speak, among other things, about the fine art of living free from stress. He's a speaker, an architect, author, and teacher. Welcome, Douglas. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to you, if I may say that. <laughs> you, you certainly may. I Welcome to you in my space. <laughs> yes. You've got some very provocative titles for your books, and I think I'm going to share them first off and then maybe ask you to talk about them. On Having No Head is one. All of these are published by Penguin Arcana. Zen and the Rediscovery of the Obvious, that's all one book. The Little Book of Life and Death, Head Off Stress, and a novel, The Trial of the Man Who Said He Was God. Wonderful titles. <laughs> Let's uh, provocative, I think. Very yes. provocative. Let's start with number four, the novel that hasn't come out yet, The Trial of the Man Who Said He Was God. Who is this man, and why did he say he was God? Well, uh, it's a blasphemy trial uh, in the uh, um, 2003 it's uh, I suppose almost like science fiction in a way and uh, here, here's this chap who says uh, that <clears throat> nearer to him than all else at the very centre of his life is the origin of the world is uh, the indwelling spirit, reality, God, many names, could be Buddha nature, could be uh, kingdom of heaven or whatever, and that is central in his life, and that he himself is very real as a person, as a man, but that man is peripheral uh, to that center, and so uh, the human part of him is uh, not central. The human part is there, and uh, for, for instance, and in particular, what he sees in the mirror is his human face and human personality. And that's what other people pick up. It's out there. It's about a meter or two away from the center. And that's where he keeps his humanity. And that is on show for other people. They're receiving it. That's where they hold their cameras to, to photograph him. That's where he finds that guy, in my case, Douglas, why he's there in the mirror. And this this man who's on trial for blasphemy is saying uh, that um, uh, who he really, really, really is, this indwelling deity or reality, spirit, uh, essence, that that is who he really, really is, and that's the center of his life. And the whole art of life is to is to go there, stay there, because you never never came out of it anyway. It's where you belong, it's home. And he says that this is deeply traditional, and it's what all the great religions are saying at the very heart of the heart of the heart of them. And uh, he's saying that those people who are trying him for blasphemy in the year 2003, why, they are the blasphemers, because what they're doing is to put... Uh, the guy in the mirror, they see in the mirror, they turn that person around and bring him forward and put him, put that person uh, at the center of their world. And uh, 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 this is blasphemy because uh, the center of your world and the world of everyone, the center of the being of the right central uh, where we are, 
uh, is, uh, in fact, uh, the reality we come from, our source. So that's what the trial is about, and it's what the first book is about on having no head, you see. Uh, and instead of a head here, a meatball, which I'm supposed to be looking out of, why, when I look here, you see, I'm looking at you, Barbara, now, and I don't find anything in your way. I find the meatball is non-existent here, and I'm spaced for Barbara, which is a great improvement, I can say, on what t- people told me is here. Hmm. Where, who, who is putting him on trial? Where is this taking place well, in 2003? Well, it's, uh, I don't tell you where it's taking place, but I, I guess it's Great Britain somewhere. Well, aren't we, aren't we enlightened enough uh, now, and hopefully will be in 2003, not to be putting people on trial for discovering their own divinity? Well, you see, the, uh, the issue of blasphemy is a, is a very important one. Some people have said it's the, it's the great issue uh, of the last part of the century. I mean, Salman Rushdie, you see, had been under the threat of uh, um, annihilation, a threat of being polished off. Still is, and according still to the is. news. Yeah, I saw and, a t- still something is. in the paper today. Still is. And, and uh, there is a, a great deal of... Um, uh, 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 in the world, I mean, uh, uh, no doubt, uh, not so much in uh, in this country or in Great Britain, but the world, in the world, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, this is a, a very live issue, and uh, people are are, are being uh, jailed and even even polished off, even executed now on account of this, uh, of, of alleged blasphemy. So it is a very real issue. But the the point is not really, the, uh, the book is not uh, to put in a plea for tolerance and um, a, a, a um, and liberal, um, open view about these things. Uh, it, is, it is not the point. The point is that this, this trial taking place in the future it's an, an account of the trial, you see. This trial is a peg on which to hang uh, the doctrine, the teaching, the experience, which my whole life is about, which is seeing who you really, really are at centre. And when he defends himself against 27 witnesses, you see, uh, it comes out uh, what he is saying, and he's answering the people who say he's talking nonsense. So it's, I think it's an excellent peg on which to hang what I have to say. Well, let's go back to the the first book on having no head and uh, maybe explore through that some of what you're all about. I think that's a good idea, Barbara. So what would you like me to do? Tell you, tell you what it's all about? Well, I certainly want you to tell me what it's all about, but maybe, maybe what we should do is go back a little further and find out how you found out about what yes. it's all about. Well, that's a good, good. And, as in, who are you, and, and well, what, what, what is your experience? Yes, well, that's, that's a good starting point. Isn't it? Well, uh, um, I'm English. I'm uh, 83. They tell me, and uh, somewhat long in the tooth. <laughs> if I had it to be long in, <laughs> and uh, I'm uh, I was an architect, uh, and uh, uh, but all my life uh, uh, since. Uh, uh, youth really 
my passion has not been architecture at all. I earn my living at it, but my passion is uh, to find out who I really, really, really am. And the issue of my identity has been what makes me tick all along. I find it absolutely fascinating, and there are many reasons why I uh, think this is uh, the great issue of my life and should be of other people's lives, uh, our true identity. Uh, 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 the, the reasons I have, uh, which you might like me to mention, for uh, uh, looking at this rather than uh, being nose to the grindstone doing architecture, uh, I, I earn my living at architecture, but uh, this is my passion. Who am I? Who is this architect? And my reasons for looking into this matter were that I was such a terrible mess. I mean, as a young man, I really was incredibly shy, uptight, stressed, and um, socially very badly adjusted. Had, had lots of problems like that. So that was uh, a reason for looking to see, uh, uh, find the cure for this uh, yes. condition. And uh, the great religious traditions have said the cure is central in my life. The cure of my problem is to see, Barbara, who has the problem. The cure of my problem, I don't care what the problem is, is to see who has the problem. And uh, so... Uh, I, I, <laughs> That's a tricky I, one, isn't I, it? I had terrible problems, and, uh, and uh, I had to see, therefore, who has the problem. But my main, I think my main reason, apart from being a mess, which is a good reason... <laughs> my main reason, I think... It's a good starting place. <laughs> <laughs> well, my main reason was not that, really. My main reason was gratitude and surprise at having happened. You see, I think people... At having happened at all. And haven't happened at all. Well, it needn't have happened, you see. But I'm so pleased <laughs> to have happened. And I think it's, it's a miserable, horrible, uh, chicken-hearted thing to go through life uh, 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 never asking who is going through life. And taking everybody's word, Barbara, but, but, but my own word. Look, I've got inside information which is denied to everyone because nobody can come here and be where I am any more than anyone can go where you are and be you. Yes. And here I have information about who I am, first-hand information. And I find, when I really look here and dare to be my own authority and look at where I'm coming from, I find I'm exactly the opposite but exactly the opposite of what I've been advertised to be or what people tell me I am or what language tells me I am. I find I'm the exact opposite. And my troubles, my stress, my agony, my anguish came very largely, I think, I'm sure, from lying about who I am, of taking everybody's word for what I am and not daring to have a look for myself. And nobody can tell me what it's like here but me because nobody is any. Everybody is too far away. They're about a foot, at least a foot or two away, aren't they? A meter away. Uh, and I have inside information. Then when I dare to look here, which I did and do, I find that everything is the exact opposite of what I had supposed and what society tells me. And you, you suggest that language gets in our way of. Yes, well, this. let me give you an example of this an absolutely hot stop press instance now see, <laughs> straight from the shoulder so to say well here, here in front of me is, is my new friend who I met ten minutes ago called Barbara and there she is and here um, in front of this uh, mic here is uh, someone 
uh, taking Barbara in, in receipt of Barbara, you see. Well, I find uh, that society and language tell me that Barbara and I are in a symmetrical relationship and face to a face, and that there's something here called a, a head, a face, a, a, a meatball, or I call it, <laughs> and, and there's something here in receipt of her, and we are in a symmetrical relationship and his face-to-face situation. I find this absolute, utter and total nonsense and that I am busted wide open for Barbara at this time and there's nothing in Barbara's way. And we're not face-to-face. There is face there, Barbara's face, and, and, and Douglas's absence of face here, yes. which is in receipt of her. And so uh, I have nothing, thank God, to keep Barbara out with. And uh, I have, the only face I have at this time is, is, a, is a, 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 a charming lady's face, um, about a half a century younger than uh, Douglas's face, when I see Douglas's face in the mirror. I am busted wide open for you. And it's true. And Barbara, if you, you say, well, Douglas, you're a crazy man, of course there's something here, but you can't see it. Uh, I swear to you there's nothing here. And Barbara, if you but don't... there's nothing here either, is there? Well, I, 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 you, for you to say. Well, you see, if you say, Douglas, you're a crazy man, there is something here. I say, all right, Barbara, come and see. And you see, if Barbara, if you were to come up to me now, I suppose we're about four foot six apart, aren't we? Five feet apart. Mm. And if you want to take a picture of Douglas, why, you would take it there. And then you get top half of him, probably. Now, you came halfway uh, a couple of feet... You would get his face, wouldn't you? Mm. And then you came here to uh, six inches of your camera. You get a picture of his nose or an eye or lips, and and then you would have to start uh, putting uh, sophisticated lenses on, or uh, even um, uh, exchange your optical uh, microscope for electron microscope. And then your pictures, but pictures, would be of tissues of cells, molecules, atoms. Well, atoms are nearly all empty space. That's right. And and, and you come in leaving leaving even atoms behind. There are particles and God knows what they are or even where they are or even when they are. I mean, they're so so absent, aren't they? So, so, but I complete the story and I say I've gone all the way up to this place and I've lost Douglas and instead, I've lost a Douglas decaying old 83-year-old stale meatball, and I have now there in front of me a, a much younger and, 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 and more, <laughs> I almost said more delicious, are <laughs> 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 served up on your shoulders, you see. And I find this hilarious. I find it, it lubricates personal relationships, and it's an ex- instance of many, many things, only one instance of the way society and language con us into denying who we really, really, really are. And when I look here and see who I really, really am, as I'm doing at this moment, I am capacity, aware capacity. I'm space, which is infinite space, every which way, uh, for, it's awake space and unbounded space for the world at its time, Barbara, uh, representing the world <laughs> for Barbara to happen in, and I find this this delightful. It removes fear from my life. It removes stress, and I just enjoy life uh, uh, this way. What a wonderful perspective! But but I'm, you can see it's true, isn't it? Yes, quite. And we're trading faces, aren't we? Yes, it's wonderful. 
Well, it is wonderful. <laughs> it really is wonderful. Yes, we're trading faces. You see, the, the thing is, this is a very important, Barbara. We are built not for confrontation. We are built for loving. Now, I'm not talking about the feeling of love. I'm talking about the setup in which love is possible, or in which love flourishes. And I say, in the real world, when we dare to have a look and, and, and question language and social conditioning, in the real world, uh, it, 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 we are incredibly blessed and we are built for loving. We are built open for one another. And society runs on the face-to-face -face model of confrontation in all languages. It's face-to-face. Visage à visage, face à face. In all languages, it's a symmetry. And this is a lie. It's not true. It's true of other people. You see two other people, they're face to face. But it's never true of oneself, vis-à-vis mm. -vis, uh, someone over there. So it's, it's, it's just a, a totally different way of life. But there's only one instance of the difference between who I find myself to be here and who... Uh, uh, my language and society and parents and teachers, bless their hearts, told me it was here. So what I do in all these books and in all my uh, you know, meetings with people is to go around and I say, dare to look for yourself at what you're looking out of and you will find that you are uh, this immense, immortal, imperishable, awake capacity for the world. And this is the heart of all the great religions. Yes. Douglas, let's talk about more lies. Tell me some more lies. lies. Yes, I'll tell you another lie. Um, Jeff and I drove here from uh, San Francisco. Um, no, well, from Santa Cruz, actually. Uh, did we move or did the country move? The question is, I mean, if we look... Which moved, the country uh, or the car? And uh, you see, when we're very, very little, we sit in the car and we tell the truth. And the telegraph poles go, go rushing mm. by and the buildings uh, turn and the whole the scene is a very ballet, isn't it? it uh, mm -hmm. uh, the whole scene dances and this is the truth. And then we grow up and we uh, set it up differently and uh, our story is... Uh, that the world grinds to a halt and we move along the freeway. Well, what happens, Barbara, to that motion? All the, all the dance of the world, all that motion, what happens to it? I say it comes in here hmm. and I, uh, I lose my inner tranquility. Now I say, now let me tell the truth, restore the commotion to the world where it belongs, and I find my inner peace and the world dances. Mm -hmm. And this is evidence of who I really, really, really am. The, the indwelling deity reality uh, that we are never moved. Aristotle said, God is the unmoved mover of the world. Well, that, I mean, you get in your car, get hold of the wheel and see. Uh, first of all, you'll notice the driver doesn't have a head. Uh, 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 you know, if you had a video camera here, and when when people want to sell you a car, frequently they show it like this: uh, a headless driver, his mm. feet on the controls, and the hands on the wheel, 
and uh, there I'm a headless driver and the, the whole scene is moving through me. And so uh, if we dare to look, we find uh, the one here never moved an inch. Who you really, really, really are <coughs> has never moved an inch. That's another example. So let's talk about the little book of life and death. And what is what is this death stuff all about if we're immortal and full of full of this this grandeur of the universe? Yes. Well the one I see in the mirror, Barbara, is is dying. He's been dying for eighty three years, hasn't he? I mean, he gets older every time I look in the mirror. And that is uh, my death certificate. That is the one who is dying. And uh, what we do is to bring that one from the mirror, where he belongs, you see, turn him around and put him here. And this is a kind of suicide, really. He belongs there in the mirror, over there in other people. If I take, take that picture in the mirror and try and bring it here, it disappeared right bring it here. To find my face again, I have to put it out there. Well, when I look here, there's clarity, there's space, there's nothing here to burst. Nothing here to burst. So it is a case of coming home and seeing there's nothing here to burst. Simple as that. Who I am, who I am is imperishable. The shelf life of the chap out there, what is it? Short. The shelf life of the one here is infinite. It is not biodegradable, is it? <laughs> so what what do you talk about in the in the book of uh, little book of life and death? What what kind I talk of about that. I talk there's this point is where is death? Where is life and where is death? And, uh, well, put it like this. Everything perishes. Everything perishes. I mean, atoms perish, particles perish, people perish, even stars, planets, galaxies perish. <clears throat> Everything perishes. As it has birth and death. Uh, galaxies last a long time. Particles, uh, very little time. But everything perishes. Am I a thing here? No, I'm not a thing here. Here's no thing that therefore is imperishable. And I look here, I find no thing to perish. As simple as that. And, and this agrees so much with what, for, for, for instance, Paul said. Or he asked the question, Oh, death, where is your sting? Yes. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Was well, there. We now answer uh, their apostle, who say, death is there and not here. So death cannot get to me. Uh, this place is free of, of, of everything. Visibly, Barbara, empty, open, speckless. Therefore, it cannot perish, because nothing that perish. And, and this again agrees with the teaching of all the great religions, which says that who um, really, really are the center is the imperishable origin of the world, not a product of the world. Yes. Can we track with you from that young man <coughs> who was 
who is uh, having a hard time of it and beginning the journey of discovering these things. And maybe, maybe if you if you right. talk a little bit about your about your journey early on and and how you developed these these mm. concepts, the understanding of the lies and beginning to put the truth of the world back into place. Well, I happened to notice, and uh, it's very surprising uh, that. Um, uh, where I was uh, was open uh, to the world. I happened to be walking in the Himalayas at the time, but that was nothing to do with it, really. I just happened to notice, looking up my body, I saw my legs, you see, there, and my hands and arms, and my chest, and so on, and uh, everything came to a stop here. <laughs> see, and above my shoulders, on my shoulders, let's say, was a whole scene. Mm. And I was uh, at large. I was the scene. I was the Himalayas. I was Everest and all that. I, and I was uh, full of that scene. And there's nothing here in the way. Uh, I'm not saying I don't have a head. Of course I have a head. Of course I have brains and all that stuff and eyes and so on. But I don't have them here. I have them over there in your camera, in other people, in my mirror, they're there. And here is the absence of all that. Yes. And this is, this is, after all, deeply traditional. I yes. mean, you take um, Tennyson, he says, um, uh, 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 nearer is he, he's talking about God, you see, mm. nearer is he than breathing, closer than hands and feet. Um, in the Quran, um, yes. uh, Muhammad says, Allah is nearer to me than my own neck bone. Yes. Well, I mean, that's it. And uh, Eckhart, a great, great um, Christian philosopher and mystic of the 14th century, 13th, 14th uh, century, uh, preached a sermon, a delightfully brief sermon. God's in, I'm out. God's in, God, I'm out. God's so, in, I'm out. God's in, I'm out. And yes. that's the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> God is nearer to me than Douglas is, you see. I mean, Douglas is around. Douglas is important to me. And, uh, you know, there only is. And I mean, it's what I give to other people or what I inflict on other people, you see. But uh, 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 who I really, really am here, visibly, is this one. And, 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 I mean, this is common in a, in not only to the great religions, but to, uh, uh, I think, the great poets of the world. Well, Tennyson, for a start. Mm. Perhaps not the greatest, but about Shakespeare. I mean, Shakespeare's onto this, absolutely. In Measure for Measure, uh, he, he's got the lines like this, which you will remember. Man, proud man, dressed in a little brief authority, most ignorant of what is most assured, his glassy essence, like an angry ape, plays such tricks before high heaven as make the angels weep. So what Shakespeare's saying <clears throat> is, Barbara, that we have a choice. You know, we either perceive what is so evident what is so untrue, our glassy essence, this space here, either we perceive that, enjoy that, and live from that, 
or we're in terrible danger of behaving like angry apes. Mm. Now that's strong stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds uh, appropriate. When you were in the Himalayas, did you have any other experiences that helped to contribute to this? No, I think this is so radical. <laughs> Nothing will compete with it. I mean, this is the heart of the heart of that, isn't it? Mm. I mean, everything else flows from that. Mm. But I do say this: that having seen this curious thing, uh, you know, being headless. Uh, what shall I say? Enjoy that, and if and that, and all the other things come. And you see, also I found which is rather interesting. I found that I could share this with nobody. People either thought I was extremely profound and mystical and symbolical and impenetrable, or they thought I was just raving mad. You see, and <laughs> so I failed to share this with people. Uh, and uh, uh, for 18 years, I never was sure I shared it with anybody. But I did, in in the middle of that time, have a very comforting thing because I discovered the early Zen masters of the 8th and 9th century in China. And uh, they were saying that the whole art of life, uh, they called it enlightenment, a word I hate, but still, they called it uh, satori or enlightenment, the whole art of life and the trouble, uh, the cure of our troubles and the answer to our problems is to see our true face. And this yes. is called our original face. Yes. Well, I say I have two faces, uh, the acquired one in the mirror and the original one here. And the original one is the face of God or the Buddha nature or whatever is the true face we have, which is infinite, imperishable, perfect capacity for what is given. Now, the one in the mirror is the acquired face, and that's the one we put here illegitimately because, in fact, it belongs uh, there, not here. And when we're very little, Barbara, you see, we're, 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 we haven't been taken for a ride, we haven't been conned, we haven't come under uh, the influence of language and so forth. Mm. And uh, every mum, some dads know that the one in the mirror there is... Uh, 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 for a little child, a baby, a friend, never oneself. And a long process of indoctrination, and you get the kid, uh, and must do, because to join the club, this is what necessary. Uh, you get the kid to agree, that's my face. Mm. It's not natural, it's, it's an acquired thing. Mm. And when we're very, very little, we're honest, you see. Huh. We're busted wide open. It's the charm of children is that they're busted wide open uh, for... Uh, the world. Well, see, seeing is an acquired thing, isn't it? Period. Seeing, understanding the world through oh, yes. sight. We learn that, don't we? Oh, yes, we, we do. But I'm talking about something which is so basic. Are we, uh, are we uh, coming from a thing which is perishing, limited, small, decaying, aging, thing, solid, opaque, small, and very, very brief, come on, uh, or are we coming from the imperishable capacity to contain the world? So what happens to this awareness of the imperishable capacity after the, the um, perishable part uh, dissolves? Well, uh, it's really not 
quite a, a, a proper question, if I may say so, <laughs> because it is timeless, you see, and after and before don't quite apply, and where we're coming from is timeless, and where, where there's no thing, there's no change, and where there's no change, there's no uh, way of registering time, and where there's no way of registering time, why, um, hey-ho, there's no time. Uh, anyway, I, I have a little experiment here, you see, which I do, and people think it's... Uh, idiotic but i find it very true you see i look at the time now and why or I look at the time in this uh, studio here and it's 20 to 8 in uh, in carmel or in monterey where, where whichever it is and it's 20 to 8 and in england now where i've come from is another time in tokyo it's another time each place has got its own time well what's the time here right where i am this side of the microphone what's the time right here no distance from me I, I've got my watch here, and it says the time out there, a couple of feet away, no, a foot away, is 7.39. And I bring my watch up, you know, gradually, and, and gosh, an inch away, I'm not sure what it is. And, and a half an inch, even the watch is there. And at no distance, there's no time to register. So, you see, who you really, really, really are, this one never moved, Barbara. It, ne- it, she, or he, God, I, I excuse the term, I, I like that term. He is who you really, really, really are, and he never moved, uh, and he has no boundaries. He is um, speckless, and uh, he is faceless, and he, he contains the whole world, and... Uh, and uh, this is where you're coming from, and uh, it is uh, absolutely timeless. Most of us, I think, worry about, well, when the perishable part is is no longer contained in, in the form that we so yeah. preferred... What happens to the what happens to memory and what happens to this continuity well, that we feel that yes. we would like to call Douglas or Barbara or yes, or right. Jeff? Yes. Well, uh, 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 Emily Bronte wrote a, uh, a rather famous and splendid poem called Last Lines, and uh, she said uh, a true thing, I think, that every when suns and universes cease to be. Every existence will exist in thee. In other words, in the timeless is a kind of a, a, a freezer, you know, which contains, which prevents things from perishing. You see, it, it contains perishable things. And uh, 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 Barbara, the, 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 you see, the content of the uh, timeless one. Uh, will never recover from uh, uh, containing Barbara or even Douglas. Yeah. You're established there in the timeless. And I, I'd say I'm, I'm not uh, professing to understand this, and uh, uh, presently I shall know more about it from Derek's experience. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Douglas Harding on KAZU 90.3. This is Discovery. So we've we've gone through the little book of life and death and on having no head and we started with your novel that's not um, published yet, The Trial of the Man Who Said He Was God. Let's talk about head off stress. And the world's full of stress, yes. probably because we're still believing all these lies. 
Well, I think uh, that may be so, that is so partly, Barbara, but I think the situation is this, uh, that things uh, are built on stress, they run on stress, like cars run on gas. I mean, uh, uh, things are held together by stress. Stress is a good thing uh, there because it holds things together and prevents them falling apart. It's a, what is stress but a system of complementary... Uh, pressures, uh, forces, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and uh, the whole world runs on stress. And uh, it's a good thing and a necessary thing. Yeah. The world is a stress system. Mm. Uh, what what we do is to get out there, uh, imagine ourselves out there, uh, involved in that stress world. And, of course, we take on stress and it gives us a hard time because we are not essentially who we really, really are is not only uh, not out there uh, uh, subject to stress uh, but is absolutely and totally free of stress where we are at the centre and uh, the one you really looking out of Barbara at this time is unstressable so if you want to be hot you go to the equator if you want to be cool you go to the North Pole and you want to be unstressed you come home to the place you've never left because there's nothing there to be stressed simple as that and it's a case of coming home coming home to the place you've never left the place you're looking out of and seeing there's nothing there to be stressed and you come home on any ticket any ticket home's a good ticket and I can point to this place and we shall be doing some experiments like that uh, in our workshop here or in Santa Cruz rather and uh, we, we, we can point to this place uh, we're looking out of. We can see uh, 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 when we put on our glasses, there are two lenses, we put on our glasses and we see uh, we're looking not out of two peepholes in a meatball, we're looking out of one enormous frameless window. And not in our own direct experience out of two little peepholes. Well, that's coming home from the stress world to the world where there's nothing to be stressed. So if you want to be free of stress, go where there isn't any. And that's right where you are. Hmm. Let's talk a little more about what people will be experiencing in the workshop. What is a what is a workshop with Douglas Harding? Well, one of the things I say is don't believe the thing I'm t- saying. You're the authority. You see, we're suffering, all of us, from indoctrination from being uh, grievously intimidated and we, we we allow people to tell us what it's like where we are but nobody is in a position to tell you what you're like where you are you're the authority so in a workshop I say don't believe a thing I say test it test it because you're the authority on who you are and this workshop is about who you really really are and I say who you really really are is unbelievably Blessed, splendid, perfect. And uh, the answer to all your problems is who we really, really are. And so we get together in a workshop to do sundry experiments, quite a lot of them, uh, for uh, coming home to the place we never left and finding this blessing, this energy, uh, this freedom which is there for free uh, where we are. And uh, uh, the workshop normally consists, I suppose, of three or four uh, sections: uh, a spiel, an introductory spiel, rather rather long lines that we're doing here. See, then the experiments, which are the nitty gritty, they are what count. The the words are kind of froth. The experiments are what count, 
So the first thing is a spiel uh, saying why we're getting together. The second thing are the experiments, all of them bringing us home to this infinitely neglected treasure in space where we're coming from. Uh, and uh, the third part is, uh, 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 well, we, everyone sees this. I don't allow anybody not to see it. It's so yeah. obvious, isn't it? And we make, the experiments don't give you a chance. Uh, you, you've got to see it. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody gets the point just as you do. I mean, immediately you've got the point. Uh, so in a workshop, everybody gets the point. Now, what they do with it is not a matter. So we go on then to, to, to look at how we live this, which is a great point, is a great thing. It's not much use seeing it and then putting it on one side among all the other uh, amusing things we've encountered. The workshop addresses uh, the practicality of us and how we keep it alive. And uh, I, I, uh, we have questions also. And I think around that time, towards the end, uh, we get on to what for me is really a crucial matter, uh, and that is a case of confidence. What, am I, what horse am I backing in my life? Mm. Am I backing Douglas, who's a loser? Come on, he's a loser. I mean, dying, he's been dying for 83 years, he's a loser. I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm not uh, distressed about that because, I mean, it's his nature. He, 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 he's not a winner. And insofar as I trust him, the things go wrong. But uh, when I trust who I really, really, really am, where, I, where I'm coming from, my true nature, my Buddha nature or the indwelling Holy Spirit or kingdom of heaven or God or whatever you like to call this which I really, really am. If I give up my trust, uh, give up my self-confidence in that little guy and and uh, rely on this one, I find I'm taken care of and uh, that uh, uh, things work out. Uh, I don't get what I want, but I get what I need. And uh, uh, so that's what the workshop's about. Of course, it's it's um, as you say, simple a simple thing obvious. to say, but but it and it's obvious in in uh, in many ways, but it's not so easy for people to do. Why is it so hard for people to well, hear hear what you're saying or hear what other sages say about this or or what their neighbor says about it? And and why is it so difficult for people to implement it? Why does it take many many years to to begin to well it doesn't uh, take many it doesn't take any time to see it does it it's a piece of cake it's yeah. the most obvious thing in the whole world we don't know what obviousness is until we see this it's mm. absolutely obvious all we've got to do is turn our attention around 180 degrees from what we're looking at to what we're looking out of so it's absolutely obvious and uh, to to uh, establish it we keep coming back mm. every time you come back to the place you never left and uh, dissolve the hallucinated uh, b- <laughs> here, which is hallucination. Every time you do that, it's easier, you see. Mm. It's easier every time. So it, 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 it's a matter of practice. Mm. And their work has to be done. Yes, work has to be done. And uh, with some people, I think it uh, can result in fairly soon mm. in being centered. Uh, so you're not out to lunch. Uh, you are really with yourself. You're centered. Because normal human condition is to be out to lunch. Why? Why is the normal human condition to be out to lunch? Well, because you're in a kind of coma. We we're out there, eccentric, looking at ourselves and wondering what other people see. I'm donating, building up here the image of something here, and I I am not uh, in the normal human condition. 
oh, when we're very little, we're centred, and all animals are centred, they're living from their space. But when we, as we grow up and join the human club, we're out to lunch, <laughs> we must join the human club, very important. But uh, uh, the price is too high, the subscription is too high, and I withdraw mm. my subscription. And what we are asked to do when we belong to Human Club is to survey ourselves from about a metre away through other people's eyes. Well, you can't do that. And uh, what I'm on about is looking at yourself from where you are and looking at where you're coming from, seeing what what you're looking out of as well as what you're looking at. Well, if all of this is at the heart of all the great religious traditions, what, what, is. what happened? Why, why aren't the, the religious traditions giving us this insight as clearly well, as you're giving it? Well, that, that's a very good question. And I, I, I think, uh, uh, though it's at the heart of the great religions, I think religious, uh, you know, religion becomes... Um, contaminated in a, in a thousand ways and the truth the initial truth on which the thing was built the original uh, uh, vision of this gets overlaid by uh, churchianity by priests by by the, the the interest the power trip the power trip that each religion does develop really power over people and uh, so uh, the life and the heart of the great religions is uh, that there are kind of heretics like Douglas who go uh, back to the beginning and uh, look at things uh, as uh, they were originally. And in, in my view, uh, Christ Jesus was onto this absolutely. I mean, he talked about a man who looks upon himself only from outside and not also within makes himself small. Well, how big mm. are you? And I say, if you really look and see who you are, you are worldwide. Mm-hmm. You are worldwide. Mm-hmm. And we make ourselves small, but we get shrunk in the wash. And, you know, when we're very little infants, we look kind of small, don't we? About two feet long, mm-hmm. really very tiny. But you think an infant for itself is tiny? The infant for itself has got no boundaries, mm-hmm. for sure. And then when we join the club, we shrink from being a worldwide into being a little thing. Now, is it wonder, any wonder, that young people uh, 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 become antisocial and angry and uh, rebellious? Is it any wonder when overnight they got shrunk from being all things to being just what it, 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 they look like from outside? So what I'm on about, you know, the whole thing is I'm not what I look like I'm not here at zero inches what I look like at 100 inches. I'm not only unlike that, but I'm the exact opposite. Mm. So I tell you, you're getting, you're getting what Douglas looks like, I've got what Douglas is, and mm. they're totally different. Mm. And the great human nonsense is to say, I am here what I look like to you over there, which is absolute rubbish, isn't it? Mm. Yes, quite. What's interesting to me, though, is that we're willing to shrink and yet some of us like yeah. you are unwilling to shrink yes. and what is the difference what is why well, why 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 are most of us willing to go along with this shrinking process and every once in a while somebody says no i won't do this well uh, i think it's a mystery and i don't know the answer but i i think it's connected with the whole origin of the world and of evil and so on i i think uh, you know 
probably the best light we can get on this is to think of, um, uh, uh, say, I mean, this is like a kind of myth, mm -hmm. uh, is to think of um, <clears throat> God, uh, Buddha nature, reality, uh, with no world, uh, just uh, perfect. Uh, uh, God is there for millions and millions of eons and ages, uh, just revolving the circle of his own perfections. He's absolutely perfect. Nothing ever happened. And after billions and billions of years, he got bored, and or she got bored. And what she did was to say, I'm going to do a terribly difficult thing. I'm going to do a very risky thing. I'm going to pretend to be uh, three people, uh, Barbara and Jeff and Douglas, plus a few more, you see. I'm going to pretend to be these different people. And the result of that was uh, that in order to uh, get the whole thing set up, you have to have this illusion thing going so that people think they're separate from God and their origin. And so God set up the thing uh, playing a game <laughs> of being, high, being playing hide-and-seek, you see, with ourselves. Yeah. And uh, this is a God, part of God's plan that we pretend that we are solid lumps and we are what we look like. And I, I say uh, that um, the great fun of life and the object of life is to uh, come off that and tell the truth. You say, why aren't many more people on to this? Uh, and that I don't know. Well, I'm doing my best to encourage people. You know, I'm doing my little best uh, to encourage people uh, to not only look at this, but share it with others. It's very easily shareable, as we have seen, mm -hmm. isn't yes, it? Yes, quite, quite. Who are the most exciting people that you've spent time with in your wonderful 83 years? Well, I, I think everybody is, uh, is valued to me and teaches me. Oh, I've got many, many teachers and gurus, you and Jeff and, uh, now. I, everybody teaches me. I, I'm there. Uh, I am I, so refreshed by my friends. But uh, perhaps one of the most notable ones I, I haven't met. Well, I, yes, I've had some few friends. I'm not going name-dropping now. But I've had some pretty marvellous friends and still have. But I think one of the most impressive was Nandamoy Ma in uh, Bengal in India, uh, who mm -hmm. had a vast, vast following of people in North India. Hmm. And she was onto this, a most beautiful woman. Yes, I just somebody was just talking about her last night to me. Really? Yes, she's describe a, her. She's yeah. a very, very beautiful woman, and we shared this uh, thing together uh -huh. uh, when I went to see her in India. I think she's one of the most remarkable people I, uh, I've known. But I share it with the people I share it with, like you now. Uh, uh, it's as though one has known those people forever and ever. Mm -hmm. Because, look... The barriers are down, Barbara, aren't they? I mean, when I see who I am, well, look, look now, I have your face, which you've given me out of your generous uh, heart. You've given me your face, which you don't have, and I have it, I'm looking after it and, and treasuring it. That's a wonderful thing to do, to give me your face. Now, what about what's behind that face? What about the consciousness, which is the essence of Barbara? Now, will I find that by peeking now into your eyes? I won't. There are no two little hobgoblins of consciousness uh, behind your pupils. But if I want to find the awareness, which is Barbara, that essence, that indwelling Godhood, Godhead, uh, I look here, and what I see here, the space, the capacity, is, um, it has no laundry marks of Douglas on it, you see. Mm -hmm. 
mm. and or, or Barbara or Jeff. It, it will do for you <laughs> and it will do for everyone. And it's infinite as I look here now. I mean, here it is. It goes on and on forever and ever and ever. And it, it, it has no personal marks on it. And it is awake, boundless, real, and where we're all coming from. So I now say to you, there's a double intimacy, if you don't mind my saying so. It is, I have your face. I have your appearance there, for which God be praised, and I am your reality. So have your appearance over mm -hmm. there, and here I am your reality. Now that is so different from the confrontation story in the world. Here we are face to face, head on collision, mm. confrontation. You've never confronted anyone in your life. This, this, this thing we are built, Barbara, for busted wide open for each other, aren't we? Mm. It's really marvelous. And in the, in the, the, when we start telling the truth of who we are, the world is full of blessing. Yes. You don't like the word enlightenment. Why? Well, I mean, because, you know, it's, well, partly because it's made into such a, such a uh, inaccessible, mysterious thing. I say that we're all, all uh, living from our enlightenment, and here we are, fully established in our enlightenment. Mm. All we've got to do is not to achieve it, but turn around and acknowledge it. Yeah. And uh, we build up this uh, absurd picture of something which can only be attained by folding your legs into a granny knot for 20 years or I don't know what, all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of things, you see. Now, no, I, I say that we don't know what obviousness is until we see who we, re we really are. Hmm. What about the, you mentioned the word evil? What is what is the what is evil? Well, Why I, do we perceive evil, and what is that all about? Well, I think evil is uh, the name we give to alienation, separation, uh, and evil is uh, failure to be open. Evil is uh, turning your back on the world. You see, here, who, who I really, really am here is naked and open and exposed to the world. And the little guy in the mirror, Douglas, he turned his back on the world. Now, I, it, he must do. But if that's the whole story, that is evil. Because what he says is, keep out. You can see my little chap in the mirror or get around whom my ego, um, image and personality is uh, constellated around that little guy. Well, he he is by himself evil in the sense that he he, he says keep out. I, I'm don't you know? I'm just announcing myself. I, I'm I'm shutting the world out because I'm a thing and I'm looking after my thing and I turn my back on the world. I've got enough troubles of my own, thank you very much. But the one here who I really really am, which is about a, a, a meter away from the one in the mirror. The one I really, really am here is open uh, to the world, busted, wide open to the world, naked and taking on the world's joy and suffering. You see, I think one of the reasons why we resist this, Barbara, is we, we say, we really do, we say, I've got no problems of my own. I don't want to be, bust, be busted wide open like yes. this. Yes, I think that's I think that's true, and maybe we should talk about that. What about What about suffering? Suffering. In fact, somebody was talking to me the other day about about this. He said, "If I if I open up and am and I'm available to myself and the world, I'll be receiving all that 
suffering and pain how and that is that is something we consider and maybe maybe you've hit it on the head there that that our willingness to be shrunk comes from our unwillingness to be in what we perceive close contact to this suffering that's that's beyond us that's beautifully put yes um you see, I, I really think that the answer to my anguish is uh, uh, not to separate it from the world and see who I really, really am means to take on the suffering of the world. And the, in, in, in Christianity, this is a very uh, powerful ingredient of that faith. And in Buddhism... You know, wisdom without compassion is a bird with one wing. And uh, compassion, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, feeling other's suffering, Mm -hmm. is essential to wisdom, inseparable from wisdom. And uh, I think the way I should put it is that um, coming from uh, who I really, really am, I am naked and open to the suffering of the world, and, and then can go beyond it uh, to what lies uh, back of the suffering, uh, yes. the one, uh, the one here who doesn't uh, separate himself from any of the suffering in the world, and to take it on and acknowledge it, is I think to find an incredible uh, peace and joy underneath it somehow. Yes, but that journey through to that is such a terrifying one. Well, y- yes, but I think it's even more terrifying. Barbara, if you're in your own little box there, uh, having your personal suffering, uh, which you, 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 you think of the world has chosen you for some really nasty stuff, and there you are full of resentment and suffering your own thing and no way out at all. Yes. And I think the way out is to allow yourself to be invaded by the suffering of others. And then your heart will... You see, I talk about losing your head, you see, and when uh, I'm talking about literally one is headless, but when one loses one's head and busted wide open instead of this meatball which closed me up, then I find my center of gravity, in fact, does move down, mm. and uh, I lose my head and I find my heart. Yeah. I find my heart. Yeah, and one does find uh, that one of necessity feels. It's not one, one doesn't set it up, but I think one does find that the hurt of the world is one's own hurt. But that's vast and deep, isn't it? Yes. And I think uh, our blessing lies in uh, that direction. Can you talk about your own entry into that vast, deep place of of suffering? Well, I don't think one enters into it to take on suffering. I think I don't like suffering any more than anyone else does, and I don't want to suffer any more than I need. But what I do, what I need to do, is to be truthful and come home to who I really am. And when I see who I really am, which I do now, this clarity, this openness, this exposure to the world, this being full of you and the scene now, when I see that, I I, I think I take care of the whole thing, suffering and all. And I don't need to do two, three or four things. See see who I am, and then address the suffering of the world. I think just seeing who I am embraces all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think when you see who you are, you will find this happening naturally. Compassion will be awakened. Hmm. What's, what's the importance of sacrifice? The, the traditions speak of sacrifice. Well, you see, 
I, I, I think we should not be too gloomy about this because it's, it's our, really our natural condition. We are sacrificed one for another. Look, the only way I can have your face now is to disappear as Douglas, isn't it? And this is death. Douglas dies and is resurrected as Barbara. You see what I mean? And we give our lives for one another, Barbara. Yes. This is incredibly beautiful. And all, yes. all this gloomy sacrifice business is, is a bind. I think it is something which is so blessed that uh, uh, I give my life for you. You know, uh, who, who was it said? Uh, Paul, I think. Uh, Greater love hath no man than this to give his life for his friend. Well, we give our lives for one another. I give my life. Uh, for, for, for Barbara, not because I'm a nice old thing, but because I'm just truthful and I'm seeing that I am uh, uh, disappearing in your favour. Mm. And that is sacrificing, Douglas, mm -hmm. for, uh, well, it's sacrificing a little guy f who is perishing for the great one who can never perish. So what? Sacrifice. I mean, it's gain, mm. isn't it? My gosh. Yes, interesting. The ultimate gain. Douglas, of the traditions that you've studied, which which ones seem closest to you to this heart? Which of the traditions seem to have less of this this uh, crust of inappropriate stuff attached to them? Is it is it the Zen Buddhist tradition, perhaps? No, I I wouldn't say so. Um, I I think that I I would say that. Um, uh, having been brought up in uh, Christian faith and uh, for many years, been uh, all my early years, were deeply in that faith. It's in my blood. I can't deny it. I can't uh, uh, put that on one side for any other faith. But it, 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 I think that uh, going deeply, deeply into the heart of Christianity, I find that um, many, many insights are shared uh, between that faith and the other faiths. And each, moreover, it seems to me that each faith has a unique contribution to make. So I owe a great deal to Zen, uh, 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 Zen Buddhism. Uh, I know owe only slightly less, I think, to Hinduism. Uh, 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 and uh, so recent masters like Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta. And uh, I owe a, a very great deal to... Sufism, and particularly Jalal Uddin. Uh, so, yes, I suppose I'm rather ecumenical, but um, I think I think the thing is, one can make a mistake of window shopping and you know going around uh, saying I don't belong to any of them because they're all got something true to say, and that means you tend not to go deeply into any one of them. And for me, for me. I think it just sticks with me that, and uh, I suppose this is more a gut reaction or early conditioning, for me it sticks, this uh, realization is basic to me, uh, that the reality behind the universe is none other than self-giving love. Hmm. And it, it, it's shown in what I was saying, we are built all of us built to this Christ pattern, give our lives for one another, and we vanish in favor of the one there. Mm. And it's so beautiful, Barbara. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it moves my heart and, and excites my mind, and 
the, the vision of this sings, really. Mm. Let's let's talk about Jalaluddin's view of, of this. He was he was the the one in the Sufi tradition that we think of when the word yeah. be- beloved is used. That yeah. that great that great yeah. connection with what we're talking That's about. Right. Maybe you'd care to say some words yes. about. Yes, I'm going to give you one or two quotes from him. Uh, he he says. Uh, um, Dissolve yourself into nothingness. Um, become nothingness, nothingness, nothingness. Um, he, he talks a lot about losing your head. Yes. Dissolve your head into nothing. He talks a lot about that. And he, he, he talks about uh, coming from... He said, well, one thing he said, become vision, vision, vision. Become vision. Hmm. And... Uh, what did he mean by that? Become vision. Well, the uh, what is looking out of here is vision itself, hmm. you know. Vision itself. It is uh, the awake receiver of, of the whole world. Uh, so he says, lose your head. Oh, he, he's got a great deal about headlessness. He's got. <laughs> he says heads go rolling like the game in game in, in in like the ball in polo. Heads go rolling like the ball in polo. And uh, uh, he, 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 he says, seeing into your clarity or nothingness is the whole thing. Hmm. Did you have a chance to read, meet Ramana Maharshi? No, I never did. I was in India when he was alive, but I never met him. But I regard him as having said, he's a great influence in my life. And what he said were, were about three things which I would absolutely dig. First of all, he said, although he didn't put it quite as neatly as this, he said, the answer to your problem, whatever it might be, is to see who has the problem. That's one and the second thing he said, it's easier to see who you are, that is to become enlightened, uh, it's easier to see who you are and see a gooseberry than to see a gooseberry in the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third thing I can't think of for the moment, but those, <laughs> those will do, won't they? Yes, those are two good they ones. They will do. And the answer to your problem is to see who has the problem. And the vision of who you are is the most obvious and accessible thing in the world. Oh, the pity, the pity. And everybody everybody around him said, only you can do it, Master. And they put him on a pedestal so high they couldn't hear a word he said. Mm. So that, sad. That happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens a lot. And it happened very much in his case. I have visited his ashram and people, there they say, they don't, you know, they, they can't see this. And if, you, if I go there and say it's the most obvious thing in the world, look at what your master said. I, you know, I should probably get they, my mark. They, they chase you out, huh? I think they would. <laughs> I think they would a bit. Although I've contributed a great deal to their journal, Mountain Path, but I only did it by quoting him all the time, hmm. which is, he says, it's available and it's obvious and it's the answer to your problem. And uh, there we are. Hmm. Douglas, would you give us a... a Kind of um, uh, retrospective on on well, I won't even I won't use the word retrospective. Let's let's shift it around the, about the f- the future of of this 
species who's having a hard time in this shrunken state. How do you how do you feel we're progressing in the last part of the 20th century, or or not progressing as the case may be? <laughs> Going back, well, you see, I I think. I think the, it's a very fascinating story. And the story began, was it a million years ago or five million, when uh, a very uh, smart ape uh, uh, with, <laughs> with a, a, a very nice uh, hand for grasping things and a big forebrain and uh, so forth, when he, he became human. And the way he became human was to, he saw his face in the water, he saw that specter there, and uh, the spectre invaded him. He rushed up his arm and invaded him and parasitized him here. So he took that thing, which belongs there in the water, or the mirror, which he probably didn't have, uh, <laughs> and came here and he, he became uh, what... He took on what belongs there a yard away and he became shrunk and the, he joined the human club. Now, five million years is quite a long time to play that game. It is a game, and it's produced, gosh, what do you think of what it's produced? Including all the equipment in front of me now at this time. Mm. I mean, it's produced language and everything else. So it was a very important game. But, well, gosh, it, I think it's a game with 500, uh, five million years, or a million years is long enough. I mean, and I think it's, it, it, we should now play a different game. And uh, for the last two and a half thousand years, there have been people who have been playing a different game and who see what the Ramana Maharshi and I uh, and others are pointing out. And uh, uh, I think the chance, the, the opportunity now of the human race, given uh, these communications, given our de dire need, uh, given uh, the experiments which we are uh, able to share with people, because they, they are a breakthrough, Barbara. They are a breakthrough, making us so directly perceptible. Given all those things, I think there's a sporting chance that we shall make it. I don't mean that the whole, uh, everyone shall be, uh, quote, headless, unquote, but that this could become the cutting, the, the, the vision of the cutting edge of our race. A, le a sufficient number uh, of leader, leaders or people who are setting the tone and so on should see this. And I think uh, there is a chance because, after all, we, what, we've come through ages of stagnation, ice ages. We're a very uh, versatile, very tough species. And I do think there's a chance. Anyway, I'm doing my best to see. And I, I think that it's time we played a new game. And confrontation is the name of the old game. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work, and it takes you to hell. Mm-hmm. We're talking with um, Douglas Harding. Oh my goodness, we've come to uh, very close to the to the end of our program. Time goes fast, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> People say ninety minutes—that's an awful long time to talk—and then it just goes by like that. Um, gosh, I wanted to ask you about modern psychology, but I don't think we have enough time to do that. Do you have Do you have any any um, quickies on that? A quick a quickie <laughs> on on uh, on psychology? Well, I I mean, of course, it's. Uh, a very impressive uh, uh, treatment, isn't it? And I, I mean, Freud and Jung and all that tribe, I mean, saying all sorts of incredibly valuable things. But you see, if I think, uh, if I imagine that that's going to cure my heart's anguish, uh, I'm mistaken. Psychology is a rainforest in which you can lose yourself immediately. 
And, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you you never come out, and you, you you go and you know it's an endless endless thing, one thing leading to another. Even Freud himself talked about analysis, uh, interminable or terminable, and it, it is it is not the cure. I mean, psychology is for polishing up that little guy in the mirror, Douglas, <laughs> Douglas, and he's a pretty hopeless case to polish. You see, he won't take a polish really, and and uh, who I really really am is upstream of psychology and his metaphysics if you wish and uh, I think that when you come from who you are and see who you are and uh, what should I say tell the truth submit to the evidence have the humility uh, to submit to the evidence then I think it is the best thing you can do for your psychology and then when you look into uh, why shouldn't you look into psychological uh, methods and processes you can you can award marks for those who got it right or, <laughs> or, or at least didn't get it right but they didn't stand in the way of this vision <laughs> How about science? Well yes of course you see this is absolutely agreeable to modern science I mean look when you go up to a thing you lose it don't you? I don't care what you do, take you go up to any giant thing and you, you like a book, a person a hand, a, Anything, whatever, you lose it. Now, I, I go all the way up to myself. I, I told you about, you know, right. taking pictures on the way up here. You get down to the subatomic particles and well, they that's disappear. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And uh, uh, I, uh, here, uh, in this place I'm pointing at, which is uh, what you perceive as Douglas's uh, top knot or meatball, here I find no thing whatever. And this is scientifically verifiable because I say, come and see. In other words, uh, to put it more generally, what I am is a function of the distance or range of the observer. Now, uh, looked at from where you are, I am perceived to be a man. Looked at from uh, much further away, I disappear into uh, the Monterey Peninsula and uh, uh, America and the Earth and the solar system and the galaxy. Or coming near, uh, nearer, I uh, uh, am perceived to be why a nose and then tissues and cells and molecules and atoms and so on. So what I am is relative to the view, the, the mm. position of the viewer. Now, uh, uh, I view myself from zero centimeters mm. and where I am is where uh, this wonderful indwelling uh, godhead resides and it is no thing imperishable consciousness awake and uh, real real mm. reality mm. and where I'm coming from and the source of all inspiration and energy and we get so tired when, when we get so tired hallucinating something here to block it out with. Yes. Well, I'm, I've got to say goodbye to you, Douglas, and I don't want to. I'd like to continue this for another, another hour or so, but I'd like to thank you very much for joining us on Discovery, and thank you, Jeff, for, for um, coming and bringing Douglas, and thank you, Douglas. Thank you, Barbara. It's very special to be interviewed by someone with whom I immediately shared what I had to share. Oh, thank you. Thank you.